Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and a very warm welcome from Barangaroo Studios. I'm Amber Sherlock and this is The Call, 10 stocks picked by you. Two experts, one hour. It is Monday, the 14th of November. First it up today, our two experts joining us on today's show for the full hour, Nathan Somersam-Darham from Deep Data Analytics and Josh Barker from Macro Capital. A big welcome to both of you this Monday. Great. It's great to have you both on the program. Uh, let's get st- stuck in, shall we? And we're going to take a quick look at the first five stocks we're going to cover today as picked by you. Uh, the first one's Media, and then we're going to be followed by Digital X, Hello World Travel, Ready Tech, and Whitehaven Coal. So they're the top five viewer picks of the day. But first, we're going to go to the stock of the day, and we're going to take a look at Elders. Now, shares are down around 15% today as their long-serving CEO, Mark Allison, announced his planned retirement. As well as the recent heavy rain causing a bit of uncertainty around the summer and winter crop harvest, that's despite a profit jump of 9% to $162 million in the 12 months to September 30. That's slightly lower than analysts' estimates of around $169 million. A successor is yet to be appointed to the CEO role with the Elders Board saying they've started a national and international search. Um, let's ha- take a quick look. at Yeah, that's still down around nearly 15% today. Um, Nathan, what are your thoughts on Elders? Oh, look, we've been big fans. Um, look, the CEO is great. He's been there through the cycle. He's done uh, probably one of the great turnaround stories. Um, these are classic cyclical agri-sector. It's volatile at the best of times. And, and he's actually built a pretty good stable model. Um, and yes, it's probably the transition is quicker than what the market expected. Uh, I mean, the result was solid. I don't think that's a huge worry. It's more the fact that uh, he's moving over. There's a, a big quant fund in, in the second biggest shareholder is a quant fund. And yeah, when the quant funds decide to get out, they'll leave a trail of damage. So you, you have that advantage on your side. You want the discount for these kind of stocks because agri stock comes with their cyclical risk mm-hmm. and um, and that's uh, you're getting that now um, so I think it's it's an interesting time we, we've looked at this stock as probably 30 40 percent cheap at this point um, I think market called the top in agri sector the last uh, three out of the last four years I think and it's been wrong so I'm more than happy to buy it with the discount so we entered it around these level or actually cheaper than this but we're happy to sit through it because I think he's done the right thing He's been there a long time. The operations are doing as well as they could be. He's given a 12 months time frame. It gives new management to come in, run it while it's doing well, and take off for the next cycle. So I think it's well placed. It's good valuation, and I think it's a diversified regional play, and the regional economy is doing well. So I'm happy to buy Elders. All right, a buy for Nathan. Josh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, largely agree. It's one that we've liked as well in the past. Um, Just caught up a little bit in negative sentiment. Um, One from Russia retreating um, from a significant part of the Ukraine. So grain prices are off a little bit, which it tends to track in the wheat price as well. Um, So Grain Corp today is down 3%. Um, So obviously the negative sentiment around the, the CEO transition, but 
it is a year away. Um, he has been pretty pivotal to the business, but I don't think it's um, necessarily such a founder-led business. It's, you know, it's an agricultural company where they really benefit from having acquisitions that work well together. Uh, so a lot of small operations throughout the whole country and a lot of very diversified areas. So I don't think him leaving necessarily impacts the core of the business too much. Um, it's interesting with the, the, the retreat from the Ukraine, it also does add to their bottom line a little bit. Mm -hmm. So it tends to track um, a lot of those wheat prices, but it's not a huge fundamental driver for the business. But it does alleviate a little bit of the costs around, uh, so fertilizers and things like that, some of the input costs. So I think it is actually better for their bottom line in the long term. But yeah, definitely negative sentiment. Um, when you get these big drops, they can happen for a couple of days. Algos at play as well. So I think just let it settle for a couple of days. But I think in terms of a medium one, one year plus outlook, um, they're meant to have a really good second half. Um, uh, sorry, a really good first half of next yeah. year. And then their second half drops off a little bit, but I think uh, it's still still in a really strong area. As Maven said, ag is cyclical. And I know we mm. do have a lot of weather events in yep. Australia, but particularly at the moment, we've seen some huge floods and rain and, and mm. that's not worrying you in terms of negative sentiment and the, out, the output? Well, it was interesting. They, they looked to combat that in their report, actually, where they showed all of their earnings increasing year on year. Uh, and they actually highlighted all of the adverse weather impacts and mm -hmm. things like that that had occurred. So it, it, it tends to outperform regardless of the situation. And I think, um, you know, it did well when the bushfires were on. There's some drought and uh, flooding issues, but when isn't there in Australia? Yeah. So they, they know how to handle <laughs> Just it. Just feel like it's particularly bad at the moment, but yes, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I agree yeah. with you. All I right. think it does so well because um, for them, they don't really worry about um, you know weather coming through at any particular time. They're mm -hmm. diversified, it's a yeah. really good. And the beauty of for them is the fact that their customers, the regional Australians, are willing to pay up and so it's not really an issue for them to pass on the cost. Mm -hmm. So even though their costs have gone up, the, the profit's doing well because they're able to pass on. There's not a lot of businesses out there that have customers that are willing to pay higher prices. No. But these guys have that. Okay, great. All right, well, let's take a look at these stocks as picked by you. Now, the first stock of the day is from Parker, and he wants to know about O-Media. It's an Australian outdoor advertising and media company based in Sydney. It's one of Australia's largest operators of out-of-home advertising products. Uh, Nathan, what are your thoughts on O-Media? Yeah, look, we, we're a fan. Um, we like the media sector because at the end of the day, if you're playing the reopening cycle, which has been reopening for so long, um, you need people to get back in. So we're seeing more and more people coming back into the cities um, and retail is obviously struggling and they need to advertise more. So the, the, the whole media cycle for me looks interesting. Um, and when the pullback happened, retail and media were the two sectors that got hammered for recession. So they pretty much got smashed down and they're recovering gradually. Now we've had updates from Channel 9, who's the biggest gorilla in the media sector. And again, things are improving, but they're improving gradually. Uh, obviously with what's happening with interest rates, consumer sentiment and spending into Christmas is going to be a bit dicey. Uh, but overall, I think that forces more retailers uh, to advertise, to be more competitive. So I think the media sector holds up well. Um, it does carry a decent amount of debt with rising um, cost of debt, that's going to hurt them. But overall, I think you're buying a discounted cyclical and you're betting on the cyclical recovering. And I think on a global basis, we are worried about a global recession, but Australia is probably more defensive than most Western economies. 
so it should hold up better. So in that context, I'm more than happy to play the domestic cyclicals, and Omedia is a classic domestic cyclical, so I like it. So is that a buy? It's a buy. Okay, what about you, Josh? Is it a buy from you too? Um, I think it's a hold. A bit of a short-term recovery with this one. Um, so a lot of the travel-based locations, so they've got a lot of um, train stations and airports, which getting out there and traveling a bit more. <clears throat> um, I think it's, it's in again, that Christmas spending is gonna uh, also help out the advertising and things like that, mm -hmm. spending there. I think just as a longer term play, um, doesn't yield too high. It's got a lot of debt, as Nathan mentioned. Um, and the, the five year share price return on this one is down about 60%. It's actually below its listing price in 2015. So it's failed to deliver, share, deliver shareholder return over the long term. And I think, uh, yeah, just some of those pressures are gonna start to come through um, after the Christmas period and after the saturation of the travel plays out. So I think it's a hold for a short term recovery. I'd, I'd try to look to get out of it at about $1.40, mm -hmm. um, which is about 8% above where it was um, today. Okay, so it's a buy from Nathan and a hold from Josh. Let's move on to our second stock of the day. And Kylie wants the expert's opinion on DigitalX, which is an Australian blockchain investment company that designs and develops blockchain technology applications for business and enterprise organisations. And Nathan, what do you think of this one? Wow, what a time. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you, you want to look at uh, blockchain, you don't look at it at the time when uh, crypto world is in turmoil. Um, it's interesting, I have to say, um, reading into all that's happening, there's obviously partial fraud, there's partial um, greed between the industry and the lack of regulation. There's a lot of risk involved. I love the technology. I mean, the blockchain technology, I think, holds. Um, it's in quite fascinatingly interesting. I mean, uh, it's nothing new more than object-oriented programming. So most yeah. people who do programming would know that these kind of logic always existed. It's been packaged well, and the upside of that is quite interesting. And there's a lot of applications that can play out of it. But look, this is a very small micro cap. They're playing in a space that sentiment is going to be pretty tough over the next six to 12 months. I think the uh, digital asset space, especially the crypto space, is going to see some serious pain um, as the flow on effects of what's happening. Um, and I, I don't think that's over. I think that's going to play out for a while. Um, so. It, there is way too many uncertainties. Mm -hmm. uh, now is not the time, but look, it, it's it's a space that I'm interested in because I expect a fair amount of pain to go through over the next six months. And whoever is standing on the other side, uh, and if you've got the balance sheet and the cash flow to survive through, you're going to start benefiting from the cyclical upside that comes into mm, technology so change. Down 80% in one year. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> you know, this is not the time to bet on the small guys in, yeah. a, in a sector that's getting under pressure. Um, you just, you know, no, no need to be a hero here. It, you know, pick up a few stock lists that you like, uh, read up on them, keep a tab on them, see how they do over the next six months because it's going to be a systematic test for the sector. And what comes out on the other side, whoever is standing with the balance sheet, they'll be interesting. So a sell? Oh, look, right now I'd be going, well, you've taken the hit. Um, <laughs> it's, it's taken such a big hit. I think the cash flow, the only worry about some of these things is they'll probably have to raise money. Yeah. And when you've been beaten up, the next raising will be such a discount. So, yeah, I, look, I've lost enough money in these kind of early stage plays to know that, yeah, you never say it can't go lower, it goes lower. So you probably should be taking the money out, seeing how the industry settles before you jump back in. Okay. Do you agree? 
I couldn't agree more, yeah, to sell. Um, speak of balance sheets, 80% of this company's balance sheets is held in cryptocurrencies. <laughs> so, you know, what tangible, um, you know, value do you place on that? Um, and also, they've, they've, they've been a company that's been around for a while. They started off in um, Bitcoin mining. And they've had to diversify because <coughs> that's no longer a unique thing. So what they've had to diversify into is providing liquidity for some platforms. Um, you know, all the news articles lately around um, cryptocurrencies is that platforms and, you know, meant to be, uh, you know, stable um, assets have been going down to zero, which obviously this go these guys are taking the other side and providing that liquidity for. So hugely risky area um, and just the fact that they're, yeah, balance sheet is, is in something that can drop 20% in a day and will never be cheap because you don't know how far it could go down. Yeah. Um, it's a sell for the time being. Okay. And just a quick one. The cash burn, yep. within the next three quarters, they will have to raise money. Yeah. <laughs> so it's coming in the next six months. So you're gonna get diluted. Yeah. So a, d a double sell. Gosh, we've got a lot of sales mm -hmm. today, too, <laughs> don't we? <laughs> well, I think it's, it's the, the specky nature, I think people are trying to pick the turnaround. Yeah. But the speckier you go, the riskier it gets. The riskier it That's gets. the problem. All right. Well, let's take a look at our third stock of the day. In its Hello World Travel, David wants to know what our experts think of the travel distribution company. It's based here in Australia and provides international and domestic travel products and services to clients around the world. Uh, Nathan, what do you think of this one? Yeah, this is, um, yeah, I, I like the travel uh, industry simply because there's a number of them have massive shorts in them. Um, you know that it, there's, there's a catch-up being played out in the travel sector. We're going into a Christmas holiday and, you know, God, every time Australia has a Christmas holiday, yep. there's a pandemic wave. Oh, stop <laughs> and, it. And, and, <laughs> you know what? It's coming. Uh, but you know what? On the flip side, everyone's probably want to leave Australia. Well, month. that's true too. So, Although everyone will come back and bring exactly. something with them, won't they? So. It's a gift that keeps giving. Yep. Um, so, I think the travel does well. I mean, the numbers out of Qantas tells you people are traveling mm -hmm. uh, and that's kept playing catch up. So the travel sector should do well. The margins are probably less. Um, the only problem with Hello World is you look at the bigger players, they're giving you pretty much a similar kind of return. Yep. So my favorite is Flight Center. I just love the shorts in it. Um, it's a great trading stock. Um, I'm not there in the travel sector for the long-term dynamics because it's too patchy. Um, and so what I'm looking for is if it's a short-term trade, this would be the interesting one. I think Flight Center has a, a decent amount of shorts and the numbers will be okay. I think that you buy this around the mid, you know, around 14, 15, and you take profit anything above 20 bucks. So you get that trading range, it works beautifully. Um, they've all issued a hell of a lot of shares to survive through the pandemic. Mm. So there's a fair amount of dilution which doesn't show properly on the share price. Um, so the $20 Flight Center is actually $40 pre-pandemic. So. Um, in a market yeah, so the volatility of, of travel and the travel industry is not worrying you? Well, it, it, as I said, it's a trading stock. Yep. For the traders, yeah, I, I don't mind. But if you're a long-term investor, um, I think you look for assets that's going to hold up better mm. and give you the same thematic. So for me, if I'm looking at a travel thematic, I'd look at Auckland International Airport. You get the travel thematic, you get the safety of New Zealand uh, adding to it, and it's a property developer. So you get multiple ponies running for you, yep. and it's a much stable play, and asset is a phenomenally good asset. So in that context, that's what I would look at for long-term investors, and you get a good yield. But if you're looking at a trading opportunity, I think that, tra that uh, travel agents provide that, but I'd probably look at Flight Center for the scale and the global play rather than Hello World. So buy, hold, or sell? I don't, I don't I think the risk is too much, and Qantas is selling out. I wouldn't be there, Hello World. 
Josh, what do you think? Do you agree? Um, definitely agree with the sentiment around the, the travel sector. We could probably talk all day about how good that is, and I think it's been um, pretty well spoken about over the last year, but it's still got a bit more to go. We saw that with updates from Qantas as well. Um, the issue with Hello World, so you're kind of just wanting to pick the best out of that sector, and I think um, Hello World actually ranks pretty far behind in terms of its online presence. Um, they're actually looking to expand into shop fronts and you know I just think that uh, the digital booking platforms consumer behavior is, is, is more skewed towards that way these mm -hmm. days so um, we definitely prefer Webjet as a long-term alternative uh, I think it's got a much better business model um, it didn't well, it did issue a lot of shares but not quite as much as, as uh, some of the other ones um, so I definitely think that's a, a stronger performer and Nathan just very briefly touched on it at the end there but the the sell um, from Qantas. So Qantas moved out of its position yep. of um, uh, yeah, dollar seventy-two. I think that's going to be pretty large um, sign and, and uh, significance there. They probably know something or you know have a good idea. They definitely see value elsewhere. So I'd be um, taking the same approach as Qantas. So if you have selling. shares in Hello World Travel at the moment, what mm. would you what would you advise? Oh, I'd sell it and put yeah. it into Webjet, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Webjet here, Flight Centre here. Yeah. Maybe Both of them like. are heavily shorted. Yeah. yeah. Both of them have issued a lot of shares to survive. Both of them are pretty good global models, so yeah. um, I think you do okay in both. It's a trading sector. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's move on to our fourth stock. And Frank wants to know about ReadyTech. Now, this is a software developer. They create technology for education, workforce management, local communities and government, just to name a few. was in the news about two weeks ago with Pacific Equity pursuing a buyout of the company. Uh, Josh, what do you think of this one? Yeah, I think, I think the most important part to focus on is the buyout just for the mm. short term. Um, as a general rule, we would say at least take half of your position or some of your position at the very least on that takeover offer. Uh, there's every chance that it gets pulled um, and it was just on media speculation uh, before it was an official announcement. So um, I definitely think the price that it got to on the back of that was definitely a good sell. You can see there it's right top of the range uh, for the yearly and I believe that goes back even further um, to be an all-time high for the stock. It's done quite well providing those education services um, in the, on, on the back of COVID. There's also a bit of fear that uh, a lot of that is gonna start to get pulled back. But again, we're kind of waiting on some speculation around the whole job trainer and, and thing from local government. So a bit of a risk as to whether that support sticks in there for this uh, company. So yeah, I'd, I'd advise um, yeah, sell slash lighten half your position at the very least. Um, and yeah, done quite well on the position. So to take profits at all time high on the back of a takeover. Okay, Josh, what do you think? I mean, it's Nathan, sorry, we've heard from Josh, Nathan. Ah, <laughs> uh, look, uh, it, it's a sector that's at the moment in a M&A uh, watch. Yeah. Pretty much every stock that's linked to that education sector is on an M&A play. If not, the media is willing to push it. <laughs> uh, so you've got to love that. Um, they have been underperforming. Um, you can see the, the government policies playing into it. Uh, Josh was right. There's a definite boost that comes out of regulatory updates. But at the same time, that can take it away from you as well. Mm. So the governments are facing massive deficits. So th these things can turn on you, whether it's health, whether it's social, whether it's education. The budget changes, they can be very tiny and the industry suddenly can, you know, some win, some lose. Yeah. So there's always risk attached to it. So this is not easy. Um, and I think the takeover pretty much takes away a lot of your upside. 
Um, I don't see a huge upside. Definitely agree with Josh in taking at least half uh, off the table um, on any takeover. Uh, you just got to manage risk. This is a market where it's not for the heroes. So take at least half off the table. Um, it's on a massive multiple. Yes, there's a cyclical recovery. The price is already assuming that. The takeover is already assuming that. So if the takeover disappears, this thing comes off quite hard. So you just got to be smart about it. Um, I'd be tempted to take all your money and going somewhere else. Okay. Uh, but look, it's as good as it's going to get in the, in the short term. Yeah. How um, likely is this takeover? Yeah, it's a takeover. Yeah. You know, your downside risk is that goes and then you're stuck there waiting yeah. for the recovery. So, you know, you've done well for the right or wrong reason. Go somewhere else. Okay, so it's a sell from both of you. So. In agreeance. All right, let's move on to our fifth stock of the day. And it's the Australian coal mining company, Whitehaven Coal. And it's from one of our viewers, Mia. Now, Whitehaven shares dropped on Friday with concerns that the booming coal prices could attract additional taxes. Obviously, if this happened, it would likely lead to lower than forecast earnings and dividends, but there's no guarantee these taxes will actually be introduced. But of course, there is a lot of speculation about it. Uh, Josh, what do you think of Whitehaven Coal? Yeah, well, perhaps Mia was watching me on the last call on Friday when, yeah. I, when I was saying it was a, a good opportunity in the market at the moment. So uh, I, think, I think just the fact that they've come out with that um, buyback, 25% of their, the company is going to be bought back over the next 12 months. It's going to create some general support at the very least. And it really does largely depend on your, your views on coals. Um, Japan's come out, which is actually makes up about 50% of Whitehaven's revenue mm -hmm. uh, with a ban on Russian coal. Um, you know, we're entering into the um, European winter. There's a lot of, lot of uh, risks with that. Whether, you know, Putin uses that as his uh, final war chest and, and it seems to be giving up ground now. So that's definitely a huge risk and I think it's only going to be exacerbated in the winter. So I do think that coal prices remain fairly high, um, in which case, similar to elders, it's going to make um, really good earnings. It's going to do the share buyback, have the ability to do that. It's got a very healthy balance sheet. It's going to pay dividends. So mm -hmm. I think, uh, yeah, it's definitely a, a buy from our point of view at these levels. Uh, Nathan, would you say a buy for Whitehaven Coal? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I We've spoken about this numerous times. Yeah. Um, my view is you're playing the energy thematic, right? There's short supply in almost everything. Mm -hmm. um, you had the EVs and the coals lead the run and then you had the LNGs catch up and then the oil. We've been diversifying, that's our strategy. We got out of coal recently, I mean, the last couple of months, we've been telling everyone to get out of coal and move into the um, oil plays, move into LNG plays, move into uranium for the specky side. Yeah. Um, because the reality is the energy thematic holds. Coal, you knew this was coming. It's politically just great to say, oh, yeah. super profit tax. So that was always coming. And then you got the weather issues that'll dampen production. That was a short-term issue as well. The buybacks, I think mostly everyone kind of expected that. That was going to play out. So the dynamics for me with coal is, I don't think new supply is going to suddenly come in, but the demand will exist. Now the question would be, how much will the oil, you know, the energy prices hold up? I think coal has done so well, it's coming off. Um, it's still going to be high, mm. but I don't know if the market's going to be that excited chasing it now. So we've been getting out of coal, moving into uh, oil, which is Karoon for us. Uh, for uranium specky side, we've been in Boss Energy, and on the LNG side, we've been Woodside. So I think the thematic for the sector plays well. Uh, I think when you're playing purely coal in even EVs or you know that ran ahead of uh, coal. So uh, for me, chasing EV or coal at this point in the cycle, you're late. 
to the cycle. So I'd rather go to the guys who have underperformed our playing catch up rather yep. than the guys who've already left. So if you cycle. have stock in Whitehaven Coal? We've been saying to sell, sell gradually and move into other energy plays. And I don't, I don't see the reason why that should change. Right. I definitely agree with the energy basket. We've yep. been doing that a lot this year and we probably will continue to do that. Um, the different energy sources will go through periods of you know positive sentiment and when they come back into favor both fundamentally as well mm -hmm. so yeah we definitely have uh, a basket don't don't just depend on one energy source um, that's for sure have that basket you know play the ranges um, play the ones that are undervalued take prof take profits when it does move considerably higher in the short term as well uh, but definitely have a decent exposure to the energy play i think it's really going to be a strong one for the next period too all right, well, before we get to our next stocks, let's take a quick review of our stock of the day and our first viewer pick stock. So I'm gonna have a look at my notes here. And uh, we, of course, did Elders as our stock of the day. And for, it was a buy from Nathan with a discount. And for Josh, it was a buy. It's caught up in a bit of negative sentiment, but it's still a good buy. If we move on to our first stock of the day uh, as chosen by you, which of course was U Media. Nathan said buy, retail is struggling, they need to advertise, but he likes the media centre uh, sector. While Josh says it's a hold, it has a lot of debt, it is below its listing price. So a bit of difference in opinion there, uh, a buy from Nathan and a hold from Josh on Media. If we move on to our next one, Digital X, Nathan says sell, sentiment's gonna to be tough over the next six to 12 months. Too many uncertainties, not the time to bet on the small guys. Josh also says sell, 80% of the company's balance sheet is in crypto. Uh, moving on to our third viewer, stock of the day, which is Hello World Travel. Nathan says sell, he likes the travel industry, prefers flight center, not in the travel sector for the long term, so wouldn't buy this particular stock. Josh also says sell, prefers Webjet, so it's a sell from both of them, uh, Nathan preferring Flight Center and Josh preferring Webjet to Hello World Travel. If we move on to ReadyTech, Nathan says a good sell, uh, at least probably half your position on the back of the takeover announcement. And Josh is, says on an M&A watch, they have been underperforming. Sell also take at least half off the table for ReadyTech. So it is a sell from Nathan and Josh, at least half uh, for the moment. And finally, uh, Whitehaven Coal, Nathan says sell, uh, him gradually getting out of coal, moving into other energy. Josh says a buy, the buyback will create some general support. So a sell from Nathan and a buy from Josh on Whitehaven Coal. So they were our top five stocks for the day, our first five. And the call is also tracking our very own high conviction fund, which is picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of the committee meeting is live for you to watch at osbiz.com. So let's check in with that portfolio update. Going into November, Incitec Pivot was removed. Seven Group Holdings was added to the portfolio and Mineral Resources was trimmed. JB Hi-Fi and Wes Farmers weightings were also increased. Let's see how the portfolio is performing. So our fund is up nine and a quarter percent on a cumulative return basis since inception on March the 1st. So keep sending in your requests and keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while. And although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second to none trading tools. Plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. I hope you enjoy the show so far. It is now time to look at our next five stocks as picked by our viewers. And we're going to take a look at Computer Share, followed by Charter Hall Retail REIT, 
uh, Sims, Orica and REA Group. So of course, first on that is ComputerShare, our sixth stock, it's picked by Pete. It's an Australian stock transfers company that provides corporate trust, stock transfer and employee share plan services in a number of different countries. Uh, Nathan, what do you think of ComputerShare? This is a stock that you would have not looked at two years ago and said, now this is going to outperform. This is boring. I mean, this is as boring <laughs> as it gets, but it's actually absolutely smashed it. The boring stocks have done well. Um, I mean, you know when private equity is trying to buy airports and roads and willing to pay premium, things are a bit out of whack. Uh, Computer shares absolutely killed it. It benefits from the yield uh, rising yield environment. Um, this is not something that you sit there and go, it's a high growth story. This is boring growth story, <laughs> but it's done really well. But I, I guess there's always a limit to how much you're willing to pay for that. And over the last six months, it's pretty much gone sideways. Mm -hmm. I think it's doing well. Um, is the future going to be as good? I think it'll struggle. Um, it, it's, it, it, it's what it needs to be to do the next level. I struggle to see how the growth can come through. And the multiple is high. Um, its yield is not as good anymore given where the interest rates are. Um, so I don't know what you're buying it for. I think the risk is if they start to underperform, this thing comes off. Yep. Now, benefit from massive IPO cycle that's gone through. Um, I suspect over the next year, the IPO cycle will slow down. I know every broker will tell you the, uh, it's going up, but yeah. uh, I don't think it can be sustained in a market where multiples are high. So in that environment, I think computer share struggles. Look, you've done really well. If you've been in that stock, amazing. Most people did not pick this, but it's been a great performer. Um, don't get greedy, start <laughs> taking money off the table. I'd be, yep. I'd be taking profit Maybe on this sell. one. You've done well, um, and yeah, wow. Um, it is not one that I'd say nine out of 10 people would have picked two years ago, but Just because it was well. boring. It was boring <laughs> and there was no growth story, and who would have thought something with very little growth story yeah. is going to have a high multiple at the end of it. But that's the market we're in. Okay, Josh, what do you think? Well, I think uh, the analyst team over at Macro are doing something right because they did put out a recommendation on CPU go. about a year ago. Um, and they're still really positive on it. So the recent um, upgrade and guidance came with a 53% increase in net income and uh, earnings per share set to increase by about 90%. So they're really benefiting from the strong, strong exchange rate. Uh, they hold their money in US, uh, they report in US. So uh, that's getting about $1.55 over that period. And, uh, you know, whilst we're at the nearing the end of the, the rate hike cycle in the US, uh, there's still meant to be uh, another couple of tick ups before they look to just hold it for the time being. So they're still going to be benefiting from the interest that they earn when dividends are paid out. Um, also, when any capital raises come through, they'll benefit from that. Um, but yeah, I do, I do agree that the mergers and acquisitions um, you know, we'll, we'll start to see some IPOs will start to slow down, which they have already. Uh, and the fact that this company has held up for, for quite some time, um, you know, sh shows that they're, they're willing to weather that part of the market. Um, so I think if that if that starts to get back and interest rates are still high, the US dollar is still high, uh, then it can definitely continue to get on with the job. I'd hold for the time being. Nope. That recent breakout to a new high and consolidating at new high levels uh, is a very strong technical indicator. So I'd be okay to hold for the time being. Uh, but yeah, definitely monitor to take in profits. 
Okay, a little bit of disagreement, a hold from Josh <laughs> and a sell from Mathan. All right, let's take a look at our next stock, which is Charter Hall Retail REIT. It's an Australian listed property trust offering exposure primarily to the supermarket anchored neighbourhood and sub-regional shopping centre markets in Australia. Uh, Josh, let's go back to you on this mm. one. What are your thoughts? Great, boring company, as yep. Nathan loves. So, <laughs> Two in um, a row. Looking at, in, in terms of some of the components they're doing, it's, it's viewed as a very um, defensive rate. And some of its major ties are to the strong supermarket chains. So top 10 customers, um, Coles, Woolworths, BP, Wes Farmers. Um, they're, they're obviously going to continue to pay their rents, of course. So the, the earnings are going to be quite consistent with this one. Um, you know, I think Charter Hall has got a pretty good track record. We spoke about their significance today with elders of, you know, managing directors and CEOs. Um, you know, David Harrison's been at the helm from the company being half a billion mm-hmm. to now 80 billion. So he's, he's done a lot of work there. He's still, he's not leaving anytime soon, hopefully. So, um, you know, I think it's just been a really strong um, sector. Obviously, that's kind of where you want to be in the non-cyclicals as well as we, you know, go through a little bit of pain on the economic front. That being said, household savings are still at a decent level despite coming off a little bit. So in 2021, they were about 11.7% uh, and now they're about 8.7%, uh, which is just coming off those highs realistically. Um, consumers are preparing for higher uh, cost inputs. Um, so yeah, I think they're gonna still continue to you know have those spending at all these places where um, Charter Hall owns the properties for. So I think uh, this one I have a buy on actually. A buy? Yeah. Okay. For your REIT exposure. Um, I think REITs have got some positive sentiment around What are some of those recently. companies you mentioned it has? Um, so it's, its biggest holding, uh, or its biggest tenant, sorry, mm. is Coles, which makes mm. up about 16%. Uh, Woolworths is 15 And, and it doesn't, what, you know, the cost of living and price increases and mm. all that sort of pressures you don't think is going to be... Anything of a well, worry? I think they're still going to have to go to those sort of areas. So, yeah. you know, maybe they don't shop as much at Mire and things like that, but they still spend the same at Coles and still frequenting those um, areas. You know, some of their other ones, Audi, you know, yep. spec savers, yep. things that people aren't going to change their spending habits too drastically on, um, and hence the nature of these non-discretionary areas. So whilst it does say retail in the in the company name, yep. um, it's a little bit different retail. It's that non-cyclical retail, which we actually, you know, think is going to be a lot more stable uh, for the next period anyway. Uh, Nathan, do you agree? It's It depends on what you're after. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're a yield thematic uh, investor, you're going to have a certain exposure into property. I'm not a fan of the property sector. Um, whenever you have a recession cycle, um, you know, I always say turn around and run. Um, and because it's a bit like the travel industry through the pandemic, yep. when you get into that down cycle, because they do carry a fair amount of debt, they will have to issue shares and then you get diluted down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only sector that went down during the GFC and never recovered to the pre-GFC level is property trust. Yep. So there's a lessons we have learned through the cycle. Um, I think it's a very good play. Um, and the major uh, renters, like, they're the anchor players, right? The, the cores, the Woolies, they're anchor players. Yeah. So they, they've got long-term contracts, they're locked in. I think the business holds up quite well. Um, interestingly, I speak to a lot of small business guys in the city. Yep. And you find out a lot of them have not paid rent in a very long time. Wow, okay. So there's a lot of IOU sitting yeah. there but the anchor players do not want empty stores. So the small stores get the benefit of still functioning without paying rent, 
till someone comes for that space. Okay, because that was my point. I was sort of with this economic climate yeah. at the moment. You'd think they would be having maybe less stores or... Yeah, so they let those people sit there yeah. because they don't want empty stores. Okay. Uh, but until someone turns up. Now, I think there will be a time when they, you'll see some downgrades come through, but they'll be the smaller players. So I don't think it's going to be a huge part of their earnings yeah. because the anchor players are going to be there. They're, they're much more diversified and they're stable. So I don't think it's a huge issue, but the flip side of that is these are geared, you know, very highly geared. All defensives are highly geared. So rising cost of debt means there's pressures coming. So in that context, there will be an issue. Um, in the yield thematic, this is not one that gives you franking. Mm -hmm. So again, okay. that's a negative for that. Yeah. Um, so you have to look at what you're there for. Look, I think they're stable. I think they're solid. They're diversified. I don't think they're going to blow up anytime soon. It doesn't excite me. But, you know, for me, I would probably put it as a hold because you're there for the yield play. And I still think it's solid and it'll hold up. It'll probably come lower with the economic cycle, but it'll recover. So it's okay in the long term. But, you know, if you're going to pick 10 to 15 stocks, it just doesn't excite me to be there. Um, I don't think the what cycle e helps them. What excites you? Well, I think you, in this kind of environment, you want something in a value territory with the cycle. Everything has a cycle. Even yeah. the defensives have a cycle, just longer cycle. So if I'm looking for things with uh, cycles recovering, for me, the food thematic still plays well, mm -hmm. energy thematic plays well, um, and, and then you look at things like gold plays well because it's, it's the cheapest miners in the market. And you can see with the US dollar coming off, gold is running hard. So those kind of thematics play well when, and for the cycle that you're in. So for me, I'm looking at the things that are starting their cycle, yep. not at the end of it. So most of the defensives over the last two years, everyone's gone in. And so they're the crowded trades and property trust is part of that. Everyone's done well. Everyone's re basically uh, reassessed their valuations at the highest level. So going into the next couple of years, I don't think property prices are going to be that high. Even commercial property, which everyone loves. Yeah. Now, as the demand comes off, valuations will come off and that'll weigh on the market. So I think you're there, but if, if you're a long-term investor, you're not worried about that. You're sitting there going, can these guys hold their yield? I think there will be some weakness, but I think this is diversified and big enough that it'll hold it. But yeah, I'm not on a total return basis, I don't think this will do well in the next couple of years. Um, Josh, do you agree with what Nathan was saying? I like to have a diversified portfolio and some of that will include a, an allocation to a retail, uh, a real estate trust. Yeah. So I think if you if you want a REIT, because a REIT, you know, it promises exactly what it delivers. Yeah. So uh, if you want a REIT, I think that's a good one. Um, but if you're after more growth, um, then you don't need to have a REIT in the portfolio necessarily. So. Okay. Well, let's move on to our eighth stock of the day. It's being requested by Anton and he's asked the expert's opinion on Sims. Now, it's a global leader in metal and electronics recycling and an emerging leader in the renewable energy industry. Uh, Josh, what are your thoughts on Sims? Yeah, this one's a really tough one for me. There's, there's definitely really good arguments for and against mm. this one. Um, so, you know, it, the price is off quite a bit. The steel price has, has fallen about 20% from July to now. Um, you know, there are expectations that um, steel production will be lower for the rest of the year and into next year, you know, European steel production cuts have come through because it's just too expensive to power them with the, the, the gas prices. Um, so, I, and it was in such a good upgrade cycle just prior to this recent movement, as you can see there on the chart. Um, they had an update which, uh, yeah, shot through a key level being uh, that $12 mark and that comes up as a, as a technical break and a sell. And then, you know, today you've got um, 
BHP up like five or six percent with mm -hmm. Fortescue up nearly double digits today on the back of the, the view towards that. So, you know, they're, they're going to move hand in hand. Um, I just think for this one, whilst it seems good, yep. um, I still would have it as a sell. We'll see how it behaves around this, you know, sort of mark. But if it gives it up at any stage, I think, uh, yeah, you should sell just on the story not adding up a little bit and so many uncertainties. So like Nathan said, if you've got a stock uh, portfolio, 15 to 20 stocks, it probably doesn't crack the top the top 30. Yeah. Oh, but it's just outside it. So um, unfortunately move out of it for the time being and just wait for a few of those things to clear up and the outlook be a bit clearer for this one. Okay, Josh says a sell for Sims. Nathan, what do you think? Yeah, the steel sector is definitely one that's shocked a lot of people. I mean, it's had a huge run up um, and obviously, China is, plays a massive play in this. As Josh said, um, European players' costs are hurting them. Chinese um, steel producers are basically um, losing money. So the demand is likely to be weak. Um, and there's, you know, you get the story every couple of weeks that China is going to try and support their property sector. And then it comes out like clockwork. And it's, I think well, there's another one out this weekend. Okay. Um, the sector is in trouble, but China intentionally wants to deflate the bubble. They want to not have speculators pushing up property prices. They want it to work organically. Uh, you know, that doesn't work anywhere. But anyway, let's see how that plays out. But um, Blue Scope is the best yep. out of the two. Sims Metal is like your, um, you know, the, the drunk cousin that turns up to your Christmas party. Uh, <laughs> and nobody wants to touch it when Blue Scope takes off. And then everyone goes, I wonder what Sims doing. And then Sims follows. Okay. And I always look at Sims and say, whenever it goes to single digit, it'll look ugly. That's the time to buy. Yeah. This is an ugly buy. This is you never buy this thing when it's looking good. And at the moment, Blue Scope and Sims are sliding. That tells you what's happening in the sector. I'm not jumping in, but I am definitely keeping an eye on both of them. Iron Ore has come off dramatically. Yep. Um, coal is coming off as well. So the input costs for the, uh, steel players are coming down. So that's a positive. China is the big story. If China starts to stabilize and recover, right now they're expanding lockdowns. I mean, that's not the time property is going to do well. So when things start to improve in China, reopen, property cycle starts to pick up, then you want to be in this cycle. So again, these guys are classic cyclicals and the, your upside is massive when the cycle runs, but the cycle is against you at the moment. So don't jump in, but definitely keep an eye on it. Seems looks ugly, but it's actually an okay model. Blue Scope is a great model. So I would keep an eye on both of them. And when that cycle turns, you want to be there. You're saying don't buy, but would you sell if you're in? Um, <laughs> look, if you're there, you've taken a fair hit and you understand it's cyclical. If you didn't, I'll smack you on the head. Um, <laughs> so if you know that it's a cyclical, you've taken the hit, I think you're willing to ride through it. I don't see both Sims and Blue Scope as candidates that go bust. So I'm happy to sit through it. So if you've taken the hit, it's a good enough business that I would sit in it. Maybe if you want to manage risk, take some portion off the table. And when things improve, put that money back in so you average down your risk return. But yeah, it's, it's a sector I want to be long, but it's not right now. So I'm waiting. Okay. All right, let's move on to stick stock nine, which is from Simon as Orica, of course, one of the largest providers of commercial explosives and blasting systems to the mining, quarrying, oil and gas construction markets. Uh, Josh, what are your thoughts on Orica? 
Uh, I think it's a really good business. Um, it's kind of mid-range at the moment, um, approaching not too far off the highs if it uh, has one other little tick up. But yeah, definitely its, it's revenue um, streams are quite strong, really diversified with one of their biggest contributors being copper. So uh, we're actually liking copper in the short term um, after the pretty decent sell-off that it's had. So I think that um, bodes well for them. I definitely look to hold this as it approaches those highs. Again, you probably want to reassess if it does get to close to an all-time high. You'd be uh, almost silly not to take profits on that. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it is a company that's been doing well. It has also been uh, troubled by the high gas uh, spot price being like 20 or $30 per kilojoule. So it is getting hurt by that a little bit um, in terms of its key inputs. So something to keep aware of it really depends. If you want to take the bet on energy prices going up or energy prices going down, you know, this is one that's going to act inverse to that almost. Um, so I think, yeah, given just the, the general strong demand for commodities still, it's a hold. I think there's a few other better ones that you could get a similar exposure with a few other um, alternatives in it. So I actually like IPO, Instatech Pivot, if you're after that explosive exposure. Um, it's also got the fertilizer uh, aspect to it. And then also, just in terms of its mining solutions, if you're quite positive on the other commodities, something like a, a mineral resources might be a better alternative for its mining solutions. Um, obviously, you take up a big exposure in iron ore and lithium with that company. Um, but I think it's, it's um, mining solutions and mining um, aspects of its business are actually a lot better. Uh, whereas you're also, it, it's just a little bit of a trade-off between what other commodities do you want. I think this is just, it just has the one play. I definitely wouldn't be, I wouldn't put it in my top 20, mm -hmm. uh, but I think it's good to hold until it gets back up to those recent highs, just given the, the positive sentiment, especially from today's movement in a lot of those um, iron ore miners, as well as our short-term view on copper as well. All right, a hold from Josh on Orica. Uh, what are your thoughts, Nathan? Oh, look, I could throw so many puns at this stock. <laughs> um, it's definitely an explosive. Um, look, I think it's, uh, Josh was right. I mean, Instinct Pivot, we like the whole chemical sector. They all offer a different um, host, uh, I mean, a, a different horse for the, uh, the race in the context that you've got new farm, seed technology, uh, and then you've got Instinct Pivot, fertilizer, and it's got an explosive side, and they're looking to diversify that. Uh, they're, sorry, they're trying to split it and sell it off, so or potentially float it. So that's again a positive. Orica's, look, there's not a lot of top mega caps, the big caps, yep. that are trading at a discount like Orica is. And so it always interests me when big caps are trading at a discount. Pre-pandemic, this was, you know, mid $20. So there's a decent pullback from that level. Um, has it delivered? Mining services haven't. All mining services have been smashed and Orica has been part of that. Uh, the big recovery story is their, um, I suppose, the remote controlled explosives. That's what they're working on and that could change the dynamics. This is a dominant global player. Granted, it's blowing stuff up, but still it's a dominant global player. So it actually, it doesn't get the benefit of what it is. It's an amazing uh, business. Um, I thought someone like West Farmers who's sitting with a $10 billion checkbook might take them out mm. because they have a history of managing um, underperforming big caps and also a history of managing chemical uh, sector. So it could work for them. There are a list of private equity, if, an, if not anything else. Um, but look, I think Orica has underperformed. It is one where it hasn't done much, where you know we've had almost every sector run. Um, so it is one that I'm interested in. 
I think it's unique enough. It is a dominant player in the world. And I think what they're doing with the remote uh, explosives can be a turnaround. Um, the last update was positive. I want to be positive. I like the sector. I think it's one where I'm willing to take the punt because your downside risk is limited. It's pretty much gone sideways for the last couple of years and they're executing relatively well. Mining services is actually improving. The CapEx numbers from the big miners are improving because they're selling well. They're getting good prices. They're willing to now punch holes in the ground and blow stuff up. And welcome to blowing stuff up. So I think Orica is going into a better outlook and they should do better. I like the management. They've held it together through tough times. So I, I back them. You know, you want, a big, you want to back a big cap on a turnaround story? I think Orica is one of them. So it looks ugly, they haven't done much, but I'd back them. I, I would put a buy on it simply because I think it's unique enough, it's global enough, and I think the high costs that are coming through, that's market already knows about. Mm -hmm. So the trick here is if they can deliver through that, and I think they're beginning to, the last update shows that they're beginning to do well and the outlook is starting to improve, this could do quite well. And I think it's way undervalued for what it is. I mean, we buy stuff that don't make profits at 50, 60 or 500 PE, this thing actually has a business, a global business, and a unique business that should benefit from the recovery in the mining sector. And I think in a reflation cycle, commodity prices are high, miners should do well. This should do better. So I think it's worthwhile taking a punt. Uh, this is one I would back for a turnaround story. Okay. We will keep our eyes and ears peeled for Orica. It is a buy from Nathan and a hold from Josh. All right, finally today, Paul wants to know about REA Group. It's a global online real estate advertising company. It's headquartered in Melbourne. It has offices in Hong Kong and India as well. Josh, what's your take on this one? Yeah, very strong business. Um, really got the benefit of the, the housing market over the last couple of years. Um, but that being said, it's still got pretty much a monopoly in in the area um, definitely pretty much consensus that it's the it's the better of the the two in in the area so um, yeah I think it's a little bit early on this one just at this stage um, they make a lot of their money from advertising um, as well as you know it's very linked to how much activity is going on with the housing market which we know has been you know, not great, but it does depend on your views towards that. I'm starting mm -hmm. to get some people a lot more positive on, on the outlook there. Uh, but regardless, you know, a big part of that is, is rental properties. Um, there's actually the lowest level of rental properties on the market in 20 odd years at the moment um, due to, you know, obviously the interest rates not making it as attractive to, to rent it out, um, but also just the, the, the general reopen uh, international students coming back. Um, workers coming back mm -hmm. so um, yeah without the advertisement of you know new um, rentals then it's not going to get as many visits the visit numbers are definitely uh, low still 120 million per month um, so they're definitely getting a lot of traffic nevertheless um, but it's one that had a really good run trading on really high high PEs as well when it did have a good run so I, I think it's a good business and I think it's one you can keep on your radar um, but I just think it's a little bit too early at this stage. Technically speaking, it's still in a downtrend um, and, and until that dissipates, then you can see if the fundamentals are starting to add up on this one. Just for the time being, uh, I don't think it's um, one that you really want to be exposed to at the moment, but definitely a good long-term business regardless. So a sell at the moment? Uh, hold. A yeah, hold. hold. I, I think because it's such a good business, you wouldn't want to sell it on a dip. Yeah. You know, you can probably... You've probably taken the pain already after hopefully what's been a good run. Um, continue to hold um, through the you know sort of rough 
um, property cycle that we're having because we know it's not going to last too long. I'm hearing from some people in the property markets that the next five years is going to be really strong. There's a large undersupply of housing in the market right now. So um, yeah, I think once that dissipates, once people get comfortable with higher interest rates as well and comfortable with not selling it such a great price to what they were thinking they were going to get on paper, um, you know, that'll start to normalise, I think, in a property market, and especially transactions, if we're talking transactions, you know, it's just starting to normalise. That's all that's happening. It went through a, a, a ridiculous period. It's going through a bit of a slowdown and it'll just normalise. And, uh, you know, Aussies love buying and selling property. So uh, if that's what you're you know, passionate about and what you believe in is going to continue, these guys are going to benefit and they're the, the number one player in that in that space at the moment. Uh, Nathan, Josh has a hold for the moment. What do you think? REA is a, it's an amazing business. Uh, it's probably top 10 in Australia, uh, management and the business model. It's amazing. Um, it helps to have a, an economy with a, a central bank that pumps property. So <laughs> it kind of helps. Um, REA has done, I mean, it's a global business, done really well, has multiple levers to play. Um, property bubble is global. It's happening everywhere and it's coming off everywhere. Um, I think it'll take time. It'll, it'll go through the cycle um, and it'll have a bit of a cycle. The money that they earn, they earn most of their money from property developers because they've got more amount of uh, property on the side and they hang around for a lot longer. Um, so what's happening in property developer space is going to be critical to them uh, and I think that's tough. Uh, you're seeing uh, a lot of them, the smaller ones, crumbling around the edges, and that's mm -hmm. what you see in the early in the cycle, and that's what's happening. Um, I mean, you can see you, there's panic station on property market, and the property has pulled back, what, 10% at best? And we're talking about it went 20 plus percent in the last 12 months. So it hasn't even given back one year's return, and already people are, you know, screaming blue murder. And uh, this is tells you the culture in Australia. <laughs> um, so does it matter? I don't think it matters. I think RBA has pretty much said we're going to back the property over the economy and still doesn't matter because what happens globally matters for interest rates. Interest rates are going to remain elevated for a lot longer than what people think. Um, RBA has been wrong for a number of years and oh. I think they'll be wrong for a few more. REA here, I think the market is priced it well. So the pullback has been substantial. This is the old tech. So you've got REA, SEEK, car sales, all three have had similar pullbacks. All three have bottomed and starting to build. And I think they're interesting because everyone wants to buy the next hot thing. This is old hot thing, but this is a solid old hot thing. So this is built into the economic cycle. It'll grind back with the economy. Um, I think you buy it, but you're not gonna do well in the next six to 12 months. You're gonna struggle. I think over time, it will grind, grind its way back up. It is so good that I'd never want to put a sell on it. Every quant fund has tried to short it for over a decade, got it wrong. And when it actually fell, nobody shorted it. Go figure. Um, so it is one where I think you buy the pullback, but I think you've got to look at it over a two to three year time frame. I think it struggles. So in, if you're thinking of you want to get the return over the next 12 months, this is probably not the stock for you. Yeah. But geez, it is so damn good. So it, there's a time to buy it over the next year. But you might just look at it and say, I'll buy some now and spread it over the next 12 months and you'll get the return in two, you know, 12 to 18 months. Uh, but this is a very good business model, probably in the top 10. Uh, but I think it'll take a bit of time because 
RBA is doing debt by a thousand cuts for the property market. Pretty scathing of the RBA there. Oh, oh don't get me started. <laughs> um, I mean, they were late to the game, then they were shocked by the game, and now they're saying they are actually going to um, pause. They're not going to raise in December. They're actually not going to raise at all in December at a time when interest rates, sorry, inflation in Australia is actually going to surpass US. They're forecasting on their own numbers, it's forecasted to go above them. So you're not actually raising rates to, so nobody cares when inflation is hitting the middle to low income, but everyone cares when property prices come off 5%. <laughs> so don't get I me hear. started there. <laughs> uh, but look, I think RBA, I don't worry about RBA because they're price takers. What happens at the Fed matters. They're a global player. RBA is a great business model. But globally, even countries who've never worried about property, especially in Europe, mm -hmm. they're sitting in massive property bubbles. Look at some of the countries in Europe and you see, like I've got relatives in Germany, they never talk about property. Property prices in Germany has gone boom. <laughs> they're like Really? Yeah, everywhere. I mean, countries that never talk about property as an investment, they've all gone bushka. And so you sit there and go, what? that's what happens when you put zero rates around the world. Because you want the security, you want stability. So that bubble will take time to unwind. So I think this will take time, but geez, RE is an amazing model. I can't be negative on it simply because it's amazing. You are definitely not being negative on it. Don't worry about that. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick review of those last five stocks we've just talked about. Well, computer share, we had Josh set a hold, benefiting from a strong exchange rate. Uh, Nathan said, start to sell. It's a very boring stock, but it's absolutely killed it. Doesn't know if it can maintain momentum. Then we looked at Charter Hall Retail REIT. Josh is the buyer, good boring company, a really good strong sector. Nathan uh, says a hold, there for the yield play, not a fan of the property sector, no franking, but they're stable and diversified. Moving on to Sims, Josh would still have it as a sell, just on the story, uh, good arguments for and against it. Nathan says don't buy, but if you're in and you're taking the hit, hold or maybe take some off the table. It's had a huge run up, Blue Scope is the best, it's time to buy when it's in the single digits. Uh, Orica, Josh said a hold, reassess if it reaches an all-time high, good business, strong demand for commodities, likes IP, IPL, Institec, Pivot, not in his top 20. While Nathan says a buy, willing to take a punt, it hasn't done much, he's interested in it, it's unique, the last update was positive, it's way undervalued. And then finally, uh, the REA group, Josh says hold, a really strong business, keep it on your radar, it's a little bit early. Nathan says a buy, very enthusiastic about this stock. Uh, it's a long-term one though, amazing business. They make most of their money from property developers, but definitely um, very, very enthusiastic about REA Group today. It has been a fantastic conversation. It, that is our show for today. Big thank you to Nathan from Deep Data Analytics, at, from Analytics and Joshua from Macura Capital. Any stocks you'd like to cover, please flick us an email, the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet to us at Aus Biz TV. And just a reminder where to find all the stocks we have in the calls portfolio, you can head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. I'll be right back after this with the small caps. Thanks for watching. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. On Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.